Hello, it's the 5th of May 2019 and this is episode 101 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis and commentary with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. So this time around, we want to start off the show with a thank you to someone who did something really sweet for our 100th episode, and that's Rural Farm Boy, because Rural Farm Boy sent in a really, really nice um, voice message over email, which we weren't expecting at all, so it was a lovely surprise. And yeah, it was just a message congratulating us on the 100th episode and like singling out the music of John Williams as one of the best things as far as he's concerned in Star Wars. And just to say thank you so much, Rural Farm Boy. It was really thoughtful of you to do that. And you're 100% right in that the music of Star Wars absolutely makes it. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we had a bit of talk about that last week, but obviously we missed Anthony's message. So um, thank you for sending it. That was a real lovely surprise. Very thoughtful. And I appreciate in general all of the messages we got from people, whether it was on Twitter, Tumblr, email, the voicemail. It was really lovely to hear from listeners to celebrate that 100th episode and to celebrate Star Wars. Exactly. It just made it that much more special. So yeah, thanks everyone. Thank you. And happy Revenge of the Fifth. Ooh, very nice. The lesser known sibling to May the Fourth be with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you, Kirsty. Um <laughs> have you been able to fit in any Stoles themed stuff this weekend, apart from ogling the book announcement that we'll talk about in due course? Um, I watched Empire. Oh, very nice. Awesome. Yeah. Because of the sad news about Peter Mayhew, I wanted to watch a film that I feel is a really strong, chewy performance and we were talking about it and you suggested Empire and I agreed. Oh, good. Cool. Like, was it yeah. really nice to revisit it? It was. And obviously I paid a lot of attention to him. And yeah, Chewie is really fantastic in that movie. And so much of what he does is like super subtle, almost background acting. But he really, he adds a lot of depth to the scenes. They feel so real because there's someone reacting so clearly to things that everyone's saying and you almost get this sense that he knows what's going on before some of the other characters um yeah so really beautiful and yeah i'd never watched it before with that specifically in mind you know sometimes you watch it for like one of the other characters or a particular moment but yeah just watching it for chewy felt really great yeah no it must have been a really interesting angle to view it with um, yeah, so segueing off Kirsty's beginning there, obviously we have to start off this show with the sad news that Peter Mayhew has passed away. He died on the 30th of April um, and his family released a really beautiful statement. I won't read out the full statements, it's quite long, but you can find it on his Twitter handle, which is the Wookiee Roars, um, and it's still been active. I presume it's a family member who's running it now, but yeah they've really embraced the spirit that peter tried to perpetuate um like when he was with us which is of this role like love and enthusiasm for star wars and for the fans and yeah i think peter was a really lovely person and a fantastic ambassador for star wars he seemed so so genuine with his love for it and his kindness towards people and just his interest in what fans were getting up to. Like he had an actual Reddit account, which is eternally amazing to me. And he would just use it to randomly comment on 
a nice post that someone put up of their child in a costume and he was just a great gentleman and yeah he'll be missed yeah definitely i don't really know what more to add to what you've said because that's how i feel too Mm. um he just seemed like a really positive genuine down-to-earth person yeah and i kind of can't believe that he was at celebration just a few weeks ago and now he's gone yeah no it does feel so sudden um I know that he'd obviously had health issues for quite some time and he did seem quite frail, but he was just one of those people who was such a staple of things that you kind of take him for granted almost. And like, I feel bad. Like I wish I'd attempted to like meet him and like get the autograph or something now. But um, yeah, I'm really glad that he was able to make that last event and meet fans there because yeah, he did always seem to relish that. And I think he was still quite active with participating in things and interacting with people, like, very close to the end for him, so. Yeah, I think he was very proud and pleased to pass the torch on, but he was still Chewbacca, you know? Oh yeah, 100%, the one and only original. And yeah, I was re-watching some clips of Chewbacca moments, like, just to remind myself of some of his best bits. And he always has these, like, really small scenes, like it's not like you have the epic saga of Chewbacca the Wookiee really going on in any of the films but he has fantastic small moments like when he like growls at the mouse droid in the original Star Wars that's a fantastic little moment and Mm -hmm. just the whole rapport that him and Han Solo have is really fabulous and on that note actually Harrison Ford gave a really beautiful statement um, about having worked with Peter And I think I'll just read that out because I found it quite moving and very genuine. Peter Mayhew was a kind and gentle man, possessed of great dignity and noble character. These aspects of his own personality, plus his wit and grace, he brought to Chewbacca. We were partners in film and friends in life for over 30 years, and I loved him. He invested his soul in the character and brought great pleasure to the Star Wars audience. Chewbacca was an important part of the success of the films we we made together. He knew how important the fans of the franchise were to its continued success, and he was devoted to them. I and millions of others will never forget Peter and what he gave us all. My thoughts are with his dear wife Angie and his children. Rest easy, my dear friend. I find that really beautiful. Everyone gave lovely statements about Peter and their memories of him. yeah it's really lovely yeah i think this especially struck me just it's like harrison's usually a man of few words you know he's not that descriptive of things but i feel like he really did have a strong relationship with him i actually watched um a podcaster called john campier and he related this anecdote from the premiere of the force awakens where peter mayhew was there in his wheelchair and harrison ford had been there with some other people and he just caught sight of Peter Mayhew and he just ran over to him and just started talking to him for like a really long time just because he'd missed him and he really wanted to see him. And yeah, it seems like they were genuine friends, which I really like because sometimes it's hard to differentiate between what was actually the case and what is just PR, you know, but I think this is all very real and yeah, it's very touching. Oh, definitely. And I don't think that Harrison is the kind of person who does put that on, so reading that script that account and how he felt about peter and how he'll miss him i think it is really genuine yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah we'll miss you peter yeah no fantastic character yeah i was thinking for chewbacca in terms of having a journey in any of the films i think the force awakens might be 
one of the best for that. Obviously, that was mostly Eunice in terms of yeah, performing Peter the character. Yeah, Peter was there for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. It was still Peter to some extent. And I think Chewbacca had a lot to do in that film. And there's really interesting stuff in terms of how does he relate to Kylo and his emotions when Han is killed. <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah, lots going on. So there's fantastic Chewie moments out there. And I hope everyone uses this as an opportunity to go back and think about what a great character that is. Yeah, for sure. You can really feel Chewie's anguish when Han dies. Yeah. Um, not to change the subject too much, but this is kind of something that occurred to me when reading some of Mark Hamill's recent comments about how someone who knew him should have been there. It's like, he was. That was his best friend. Yeah, exactly. So. Of anyone, Chewie's been there longest. Yes, exactly. And yeah, it's good that we have Solo to kind of round out that relationship too. Yeah. No, it's really cool to see where they first met. So I think now we've shared our thoughts on the sad passing of Peter Mayhew. We'll move on to something a little bit more um, upbeat. Um, So for May the 4th, the big news of the day was not the promised Vanity Fair covers, (laughs) which I'm sure we will get, obviously just not on May the 4th. Yeah, they were promised, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Promised in my imagination. Yeah. Well, (laughs) even that, I think we're like, oh, it would be nice, but we'll get them soon anyway, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, instead we got something really cool, which is a very, very long StarWars.com article setting out the publishing line that is going to be called The Journey to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. And yeah, there's a lot to get into here. Um, Kirstie, I was thinking of going through the books one by one and just reading out the description and then we can just have a little chat about what we think and how excited we are and that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. Do you want me to do the first one? Yes, please. Okay, so if you're following along at home, we're going to work through the StarWars.com article. So the first one, under adult and young adult fiction, um, Rebecca Rowanhorse, who is the first Indigenous author for a Star Wars book, which is really exciting. Yes. Um, It's an adult novel. It says, in this journey to Star Wars, the Rise of Skywalker novel... Poe Dameron, General Leia Organa, Rey and Finn must struggle to rebuild the Resistance after their defeat at the hands of the First Order in Star Wars The Last Jedi. So this is Resistance Reborn. It's beautiful artwork. Um, And it's interesting to see Poe as like the big figure. Yeah. And obviously Oscar Isaac is very handsome, so (laughs) I'm I'm enjoying (laughs) that. Um, But yeah, the colours and yeah, everything working together works really well with the rebellion symbol there and everything, so... Yeah, no, it was a really nice cover. And I kind of get the impression from how large they've made Poe on the cover that I guess he will be the main character as such in terms of the character we follow the most. What do you think? I think that makes sense um, if we're talking about rebuilding the Resistance. Um, As we saw from towards the end of The Last Jedi, it was kind of about Leia passing the torch to Poe. Yes. Um, And if we're, you know, we've been told... We don't know exactly, but we've been told that there is a time jump. So during that time, presumably, Poe is scrambling to try and rebuild the Resistance um, with the help of his friends. So be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, I'm really curious to learn when specifically a novel like this is set as well, in terms of whether it's immediately after The Last Jedi, or if it's a bit further down the road in terms of mm. is like six months on and they're still really struggling it could be either 
But yeah, I think that will inform the vibe of it more. Yeah, I don't know if this is, a, I don't know how consciously to, or look at this as whether it's a conscious decision that means something, but based on the artwork, they're all wearing costumes from The Last Jedi. Actually, is Finn, is that a costume from The Force Awakens for Finn? It is, isn't it? Because he's wearing the jacket and... Yeah, it looks like a yeah. Force Awakens promo shot to me. That's a good, actually, yeah, that, okay, scratch that then, because I was using that as a bit of a clue that it would kind of follow on pretty closely from The Last Jedi. Yeah especially because Ray's wearing her like Act 2 outfit and everything but if that's not the case then who knows <laughs> these could just be completely arbitrary images yeah I, I think that's a pretty decent theory to be honest because at least two out of four are definitely wearing their costumes from The Last Jedi those being Leia and Ray, because mm. yeah those are the same costumes and yeah I think it would make sense to pick up very close because yeah that's the point at which okay guys we need to start again and it's natural for a story to pick up from that beginning point yeah i'd feel like they would have to do that at some point if we're having the time jump it's like people will want to know what happens right after the falcon kind of flies away yeah and they they have to start coming up with a plan because they're in such a desperate situation so that could be pretty cool yeah and i'm so curious about the practicalities of that because really just surviving is going to be a challenge in that situation because they're very vulnerable it's just such a small group of people and the first order is still a very significant organization and i presume the bounty is on the heads of some of these people particularly <laughs> ray are going to be astronomical <laughs> so yeah. and it's also like we're gonna to have to take a lot of stuff with a pinch of salt because it's star wars and like they're all flying away on the millennium falcon and that's the last of the resistance and that's all that they have but then presumably they're also going to have access to all these new ships and everything so yeah where are they going to come from yeah um yeah, because I think the idea at the end of The Last Jedi is that Leia's allies aren't turning out to be so much allies. Yeah. Um, or at least in this situation, they're just unable to help. So what does that mean for the, them kind of practically? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if anyone does end up answering that call. Mm-hmm. Maybe Lando, eventually. Yeah. Like, sorry, sorry, I just got here a little late. <laughs> <laughs> You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, so I'm really excited for this one especially. I think it's definitely going to be one I pick up. Um, and looking at it, I guess that this is probably going to be like the flagship novel like leading into the film because I think it's the only one that's listed as an adult novel. I think all the others are young adult or for children. So, right. yeah, I think this is like, this is the book you must read of this selection. Okay. Yeah. And in terms of the date order, does that mean it's coming out on the 12th of November? Yes. Right, yes, okay. That's, that's the American dating, yeah. Okay, cool. Like, it was doing things to my head. I was like, what? <laughs> well, it's like May the 4th isn't really May the 4th for you. It's 4th of May. So. Yeah, no, exactly. Which doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? <laughs> Would you care to read out the next one, Kirsty? Yeah, so this is Force Collector by Kevin Shinnick. Um, this is a young adult novel, and it's out on the 19th of November. In this journey to Star Wars, the Rise of Skywalker young adult novel, set just before The Force Awakens, a restless teenager sets out to discover what connection his mysterious Force powers have to the fabled Jedi, and what the Force has in store for him. Hmm. How intriguing! Yeah, this is going to be another good one, I think. I I've loved that so much of the discourse surrounding this poor kid has been, ooh, is it bad? <laughs> Uh, yeah, and Matt Martin has said, no, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's a new shut that character. Down. <laughs> yeah. 
I can see why people might think that, giving a quick look at the art, because he has like the arm wrap and the gloves kind of situation. Like there's there's things there that like could maybe evoke parallels to Ben. Yes. He he doesn't really look enough like him to justify that. And again, the description of it, if we're supposed to take that at face value, is that he's a teenager and it's just before the Force Awakens. So very much a new character. Yeah. Exactly. But this in itself is really interesting to me because I know that obviously the concept is introduced there in the movies, the idea that anyone can be connected to the Force, no matter where they're from, and um, well, that's been something that's been long in Star Wars, but I think it was kind of solidified as a theme of the sequel trilogy with Broom Boy at the end there. Yeah. Um, so we know that there are obviously other people out there who are Force-sensitive. We know that Mars is, for example. Yeah. But in terms of actually following them as protagonists, I think this is going to be really interesting because... A lot of what's also been pushed in terms of the Rey and Kylo dynamic is that they're the two young Force users of their generation. So why why are they especially powerful? Does this relate to a prophecy in some way? Is this related to Anakin being the chosen one and Ben being his descendant and then Rey was somehow conceived of the Force to balance that out based on the kind of things that Luke and Snoke were saying? And then where do characters like this fit into that? Yeah, even raises questions about what The Force Awakens means. So it's like, okay, was that specifically about Rey, The Force Awakening in her? Or did it mean a more general awakening in The Force that would also be affecting this kid? Like, mm. Although I don't think that's right. Because I get the impression from this description that this kid has probably had The Force and known it for a while. For a while. Right. Um, I know that JJ said when The Force Awakens came out, that it was about Rey and Kylo. But in terms of, like, extra canon material, there must be all this stuff that, like, JJ isn't privy to and is kind of built around him. And obviously things that people say in interviews are not beholden to canon. Sure. So so they, they can always change those things and kind of broaden the horizons, as it were. But, um, Yeah. I'm really interested to know more about this character because he looks like he's kind of got the scavenger ray thing going on. He looks like he's on a desert planet of some kind. Is this going to be the planet that we see in The Rise of Skywalker? Mm, That's a very good idea. If it's different from Jakku and Tatooine, if it's a new desert planet, is that where this kid's from? I find that very likely, if that is the case. Because, yeah, I was looking at that desert background and thinking, oh god, I hope he's not on Jakku as well. (laughs) <laughs> that's a bit silly. Him and Ray could have been friends. <laughs> Yay! Best buddies. Um, yeah, so if it is a new sand planet, I'd be surprised if this kid were on a different sand planet from the new sand planet because I think that kind of would be like the whole reason for this book's existence. So, oh, okay, guys, we have a new sand planet. Uh, can we do any EU material set on this planet, please? Awesome. Great. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah, I'm just, um, I know it's been a running theme in the sequel trilogy and in the books, kind of, well, not even just related to that era, but like stretching back to the aftermath era just after the original trilogy of like scavenging for these empire artifacts, like the stormtrooper helmet that he has there. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether certain things have like a dark side power attached to them, or just in terms of like, this weird nostalgia that people have in the vein of like someone like Ransom Castafo. Yeah. With his, with his collection of artifacts in his office that Leia comments on. Yeah. 
It'd be interesting if he like works with dealers who buy some stuff off him and like who might be interested in buying the things that this kid finds. Because mm-hmm. if he is just collecting for himself, he's probably going to end up with a pretty vast collection and yeah, he'll need to downsize at some point. <laughs> Does he have like the training ball that Luke uses in um, That's what it looks like. Yeah. That training ball really gets places. I'm sure it's a different one. <laughs> it is because... Yeah. Yeah, Finn, Finn gets that on the Falcon, but it's just funny that they always include these specific items. Oh, look at the things that you recognise. <laughs> yeah. It's very Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah, that is. We know what we're dealing with at this point. Okay. <laughs> cool. So the next thing we have is a comic series. Um, so this is called Allegiance by Ethan Sachs, and the artist is Luke Ross. Um on the run since the destruction of the Starkiller base, General Leia and the remaining handful of Resistance have barely managed to survive, much less strike back against the superior forces of the First Order. Running low on options, Leia decides to reach out to her former allies, the Mon Calamari, whose shipyards once powered the Rebel Alliance. What's most interesting to me with this one is I guess that the author of this must have had to collaborate quite closely with um, Rebecca Roanhorse who mm-hmm. wrote Resistance Reborn because like on the surface they seem like quite similar stories in terms of the Resistance is struggling and is trying to rebuild. Yeah. I guess that's like a multifaceted thing so it makes sense you'd have different stories based on that same topic but yeah it's just interesting to me. Yeah I wonder if I'm missing something here because I don't know maybe this is just something I'm not aware of from wider canon but the the idea of them being former allies confuses me because we see Akbar in the sequel trilogy, mm. and maybe he doesn't represent all Mon Calamari, but I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. I guess it's kind of like what you alluded to, where okay, Akbar works with them, but maybe she's since lost the support of the Mon Calamari as a whole, and mm. she needs to win that back. So it could be like a political thing. Like Akbar is loyal because they're personal friends and they have that personal relationship. But the species, they need to be won over. Yeah, it would be interesting to see, since they mentioned the First Order explicitly, it's like, are they also trying to work with the Mon Calamari? Like, what are they offering them that's different? Mm. Um, how do the First Order kind of go in and take over somewhere? Yeah. I wonder if that'll be a factor. I'd imagine so. I expect it'll be a lot about two different parties caught in the same prize, basically. Because, yeah, you're either with or against the First Order, I suppose, as a government. And Mm. it's a pretty strong statement to oppose them. Yeah. Okay, cool. So then we have the little golden book. This is We Are the Resistance by Elizabeth Schaefer. Um... Join Leia, Rey, Finn, Poe, Chewbacca, Rose, BB-8, and all the brave heroes of the Resistance in their fight against the First Order. Featuring stunning retro-stylized illustrations, this book includes iconic scenes from The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker. Isn't it funny that they're already calling scenes from a film that has not yet been released iconic? I'm sure they will be (laughs) iconic, but it's like, yeah, I like your confidence, guys. Well, presumably, this is coming out on the 4th of October. Yeah. So I'd be awfully surprised if they're the pivotal scenes <laughs> that give away <laughs> so much. Yeah. Um, so 
definitely worth picking up. And I love these little golden books. Yeah. Um, and Elizabeth Schaefer, I think she did the storybooks for The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi as well. Yeah, that's right. And they're really well done. Um, so yeah, definitely yeah. worth a read. This illustration style is absolutely adorable. Like all the characters look so so freaking cute. Mm. Like, oh my god! And Ray's outfit just looks to die for. She looks so fabulous. Yeah, yeah I love how they've given Chewbacca kind of like a mustache and beard look. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> he looks like the um, bemused granddad kind of. Thing. <laughs> That's the vibe. Yeah, no, it's very cool. Mm-hmm. And and Finn's Han Solo s Panther. Yes. No, they're on proper display there. And I like that Finn's so prominent besides Ray. It's like, weird. Mm-hmm. Although I would have liked to have seen Rose on the cover. At least it sounds like she will be featured yeah. inside. So. Yeah, I'm sure she'll be in the book. Okay, then we move on to the very <laughs> exciting books that I know I'm excited to read, to practice. To be fair, I, I do actually own one of these. Um, oh, nice. I own the one of Ray and Kylo's jewel. Um, in The Force Awakens because the artwork is actually really great yeah I'll tell you what um, Melissa actually bought that for me as a birthday present oh there you go yeah it was a couple and of years I... ago now but I own it yeah yeah, and it, it can be really cute and interesting actually to like read how they describe these scenes for children oh sure yeah it's like a different perspective on it so yeah we have two books Resistance Heroes and First Order Villains would you mm. like to read out the respective descriptions yeah, so the first one, Resistance Heroes, has Rey on the cover. Um, meet Rey, Finn, Poe, and the rest of the heroes of the Resistance who are fighting to save the galaxy from the evil First Order. And that is also out on the 4th of October. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same day, the First Order villains ones come out. That's Kylo in his um, Episode Nine outfit, which we've talked about before. It's kind of a combo of the other two. With his red cracked helmet. Um Meet the sinister Kylo Ren and the rest of the vile villains of the Fearsome First Order from Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Gotta love that alliteration of yeah. vile villains. Beautiful. Like, is it fair to say, though, that I detect some editorial bias against the First Order here? I- I'd like to protest. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. I think it's shocking journalism to like be so transparently biased against the noble mission of the First Order. Oh my god! Sorry, sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're gonna ham it up for kids for sure. Of course, um, yeah. No, but I love these illustration styles. On a more serious note, the characters look really, really cool. Both of them, they're great and really, really nicely rendered. I think what interests me about this one is that, like, apart from Kylo and Hux, who are the rest of the vile villains from the First Order? Yeah, that's are a good they going to introduce the new characters, like Richard E. Grant's character? That'd be cool. I'd like to see it. And I imagine that knowing these books for kids, half of it will be pictures of stormtroopers. Because Oh, probably, actually. Yeah. I love stormtroopers and all the different varieties of stormtrooper. So I could see that. Um, <laughs> and then Palpatine. No Phasma anymore. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Palpatine, we know he's in the movie, so that's not a spoiler in and of itself. Yes. But he's not part of the First Order, as far as we know. Yeah. So... Maybe we shouldn't be taking these descriptions so seriously. (laughs) What do you mean the book for five-year-olds isn't completely accurate? (laughs) Well, look, I'd be interested to see if Snoke appears at all, because obviously at this point in the timeline, he's dead. Yes. But if they have to pad it out with characters, maybe it'll be like, well, he's a sequel trilogy villain, so that counts. Yeah. 
exactly. It'll be interesting to see how they get around that. Yeah. Okay. And then the next one. Journey to Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker Choose Your Destiny A Finn and Poe Adventure by Kevin Scott um, Join Finn, Poe and BBA on a dangerous but necessary mission for the struggling resistance with over 20 possible outcomes readers will have to choose carefully in order to keep Finn, Poe and BBA safe from the evil First Order out on the 4th of October Yeah, again I think that this is going to be very interesting from a canon perspective so it's like, okay, if there's 20 possible outcomes, does that mean each outcome is canon? <laughs> uh, they probably don't want you to think about it that much. <laughs> like, if there's, like, an outcome where, like, Poe dies. Oh, no. <laughs> I guess we can take that as extra canonical. I'm doubtful that they would include that as an outcome for a children's book, <laughs> but you never know. <laughs> oh, sorry, you died. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that would amuse me but yeah probably not the children reading the book yeah no it seems cute in all seriousness it seems very cute choose your own adventure books are fun and i'm glad it exists because i'm sure it'll be jolly and enjoyable i probably won't read it because there need to be limits um but yeah it will be good yeah um i'm gonna be negative nancy here for a second and point out that the coloring leave something to be desired in terms mm. of you've got these two men of colour. Yeah. They look they both look awfully pale. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. That's just something that popped out to me immediately. I was like, oh no. Yeah. Finn looks like he's like mixed race or something. Yeah. And yeah, it's I don't know. They could have taken a bit more care with it, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, this is a pity, but eh. Okay. So we can move on to the next one, which is another book. The Spark of the Resistance by Justina Ireland. It's a middle grade novel. When a distress plea goes up from the isolated planet Minfa, Resistance heroes Ray, Poe and Rose hear the call. Together they will face down a First Order battalion, terrifying flying creatures and a weapon that could change the course of the war. Okay, cool. And this one comes out relatively early, doesn't it? On 4th of October? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it looks, yeah, I guess a lot of them are coming out on that same day. Yeah. Um, is that going to be Force Friday, maybe? I would guess so. It's, I expect it's all timed around that to be um, mm. simultaneous. Um, how old is middle grade? Readers age 8 to 12. Right, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So it should be quite easy, plain language then. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's the cover. To look at that, it looks more like a young adult novel slash a novel for adults. But um, it reminds me of the one they did for Cobalt Squadron with um, yeah. Rose and Page, and that was a middle grade novel as well. Right. I think. Okay, that makes sense then. Yeah, it's a very um, nice cover again. It's Ray holding the staff with a stormtrooper helmet and the Falcon behind her. Yeah. Um. I'll. I will say that it's interesting to me that they have the stormtrooper helmet there. It's called the Spark of the Resistance, but there, there isn't any mention of Finn. Yeah, that's a good point. Does that mean he's not in the story? And is there an explanation for that? Because, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm really excited to see Ray and Rose interacting before the movie comes out. So it'll be really cool to have them go on a mission together. Yes. Um, but yeah, presumably there's a reason why Finn's not there, but we don't know yet. Yeah. No, I'd like to think it must be explained. I don't think they just omit him and take it for granted that he's not involved. 
he has to be off doing another mission or something. Yeah, I wonder if the idea is that there's meant to be another story going on at the same time where Finn's working with someone else. Right, yeah. But we but we don't have that book elsewhere on this list. So unless something else is coming out later on or somehow it lines up with like the second season of Resistance and Finn is there for a couple of episodes, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it'd be odd if he's just absent for for a kind of contrived reason like oh we have to write him out of the story but why yeah i expect they're planning lots and lots of content to happen in this time period even after the rise of skywalker comes out so mm-hmm. i imagine there's been lots of thought given to okay what's going to be happening at this point and who's going to be doing what and what stories can and can't we tell like that sort of thing so i presume and like to think there's a good reason but we will see Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is Star Wars Adventures, um, which I always enjoy, these kind of comics. Um, in a series of original stories, the mighty Wookiees of Kashyyyk must defend their home against the armies of the evil First Order. Plus, R2-D2, C-3PO, and BB-8 team up on a top-secret spy adventure for the Resistance. So that's out from October to December. Yeah, it's going to be really nice to see Kashyyyk revisited. Hopefully we'll uh-huh. get back to your faves from the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> Marla, my queen! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder if we'll be like following different Wookiees or if Lumpy's going to be involved somehow. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, because Lumpy must be all grown up at this point. Mm-hmm. Unless Wookiee childhood is like 50 years or something. <laughs> <laughs> Should be pretty grim. Yeah, no, so it will be really cute, I'm sure. I look forward to seeing the art because that's yeah, the best too. thing about Styles Adventures for me. The art style is really cute and lively and yeah, I think it'll look awesome. Mm-hmm. So then we have a list of reference books which all look interesting but it's kind of hard to talk about them right now because we don't know what's going to be in them. Mm-hmm. And none of the artwork is particularly spoilery. They're just including like Vader and BBA. We know what they look like. Um, but there's a sticker book... There's the Ultimate Star Wars New Edition, um, Ships and Battles, Star Wars The Ultimate Pop-Up Galaxy, which actually, I don't know if you picked one up, but I got a poster of this artwork. Um, oh yeah, I got that. Yeah, it's pretty cool because obviously it encompasses the whole saga. Yeah. So yeah, that's lovely. Um, a children's book, one of those ones that has like the buttons on the side that make the sounds, <laughs> so you can have like lightsaber sounds and stuff. This looks like, um, oh, it does say cover not final, um, but it kind of looks like it's covering more of the events of The Last Jedi. Yeah. If we are to take that cover at face value, then it would look more like Last Jedi content. But I do Mm. wonder if they're going to basically give it a completely different cover and that all those buttons will change and pertain to stuff that's in The Rise of Skywalker. I guess I'd need to go back and see what the equivalent book for the last jedi looked like because if it's basically the same art then i'll be like oh okay then yeah you're gonna have a different cover for sure um then there's a magnetic playset with more artwork on it that's more kind of realistic looking um finn looks really good there actually yeah no it does very heroic pose (laughs) there's a search and find book which is like a where's wally (laughs) Yeah, with the magnifying glass focusing on the (laughs) Dorian guard fight, as we know we all want. But now we get to the really exciting part. Yes. um, That I think we must have both squealed 
out loud when we actually saw it, The Art of the Rise of Skywalker. And I always look forward to these books. These are probably the books I'm most excited to buy. Um, But it's just really great to get this artwork um, in lieu of a teaser poster. Yeah. Because this feels um, really important to the themes of The Rise of Skywalker and to the sequel trilogy in general and feels like a lovely continuation of the two previous covers. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it really brings home the themes of the sequel trilogy in a beautiful and visually arresting way because the cover for the art book for The Force Awakens was Kylo in the forest on Starkiller Base and then the cover for The Last Jedi one was Rey on Act 2 and now we have both of them and there's just so much going on with the imagery in terms of where they both appear to be and just this trippy trippy scenario where they're both obviously fighting but I guess it's sort of like a metaphysical fight because they're not in the same place if you believe those visuals, basically. So there's interesting stuff going on. Yeah. And of course, these books are filled with concept art that doesn't always make it into the film in terms of maybe so literally or it's like a variation on a scene that doesn't quite work for whatever reason. But in terms of the choices that they made for the two previous movies, obviously we got Kylo in the snow on Starkiller Base with his lightsaber out. Um, which is pretty similar to what we got in the movie when he's facing down Finn and Rey. Yeah. And then we got Rey on Act 2 with her poncho kind of billowing behind her. Yeah. So I feel like this should be pretty close to what we get in the movie at some point. Yeah, Um, agreed. Might not be exactly the same, but it's definitely supposed to suggest something. Yeah. Um, And it's very much like... It's very on the nose in terms of the mirror imagery and the idea of Kylo being Rey's shadow and Animus for sure. Yeah, definitely. So like their feet are literally in the same places. Yeah, and and contrasting in terms of Kylo being in the blue in the water and Ray being on the red ground. Yeah. I wonder if this fits into that red planet we saw in the teaser at all. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point. I've seen some people suggest that Ray might even be on Mustafar. I saw that, because it does kind of look a bit volcanic behind her, but it's hard to tell because that could just be water that looks different because it's got this red tinge on it. Yeah. Um and again it's like maybe it's maybe we're not supposed to take it so literally. Maybe the colour is just there as part of the concept. Yeah. So obviously it's their clashing sabres. Yeah, but I definitely sense that that image is trying to encapsulate a lot with what is going on with those characters. And I really like that they're both in the backgrounds so the opposite from what you'd expect. Should expect because Kylo's the villain that he'd be in the fiery red volcanic like environment. And you'd expect Ray to be in the peaceful blue one, but it's flipped, mm. and that's really cool. And I like that because a big element of why I think we're both drawn to these characters is that there is always that element of fluidity and like the blurring of the lines, and they're both dealing with the light and the darkness. And yeah, I really like how that comes across in the artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that yin yang imagery again. And it also reminds me of the concept art from The Last Jedi of when Rey went down into the cave. And we didn't see this in the movie, but one of the concepts was that when she looks into the the mirror, it would show half her face and half of Kylo's mask. Yes. Because they are one. As Ryan Johnson said, these are two halves of our protagonist. They're two sides of the same coin. So clearly that is going to be a theme that continues in 
the rise of Skywalker. Not that we would expect anything else, but it's nice to kind of get further confirmation of that. Yes, 100%. So yeah, very happy about that. Yeah, no, it was beautiful. (laughs) One final thing, I love that Kylo is actually reaching out and it almost looks like he's trying to touch like Ray's lightsaber. And obviously that's not literal, you know, he's not a dumbass. He's not going to try and like burn his hand off. Well, he is a bit of a dumbass. He is a bit of a dumbass, but hopefully not to that extent, basically. <laughs> um, and yeah, again, symbolism. I like that he's literally reaching for the light. It's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's amazing. Like This feels like the equivalent of the last Jedi teaser poster. Although now I hope that they give us a teaser poster that is like any degree as awesome as this is. Yeah, now it's raising the expectations for that. Exactly, the stakes are there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's beautiful, and yeah, I've already changed my uh, phone's wallpaper to this. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I should do yeah. totally do that. It's too beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. Cool. So, should we move on to the visual dictionary? Uh, sure. By Pablo Hidalgo, out on the twentieth of December. Uh, the visual dictionary is a two hundred page definitive guide to Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, revealing the characters, creatures, droids, locations, and technology from the new film. 500 plus images and information, plus cross-sections of new vehicles, must-have for all fans who want to go beyond the movie experience. I don't know if this happens every time, but I know for The Last Jedi this leaked a couple of weeks before the movie. Yeah, it totally did. (laughs) I kind of expect it to happen again. Same. Um, Because that was kind of how we first got confirmation that they were going to have that Force connection, which was extremely exciting. Yeah. So yeah, the front cover... Well, this says cover not final again, but they have this snow trooper with a cape on, which looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's a really awesome outfit. But they could end up going for something completely different. Yeah, so I'm really excited for this book. This and the art book are basically my complete must-buys in terms of the books I will not miss out on. This time I'll, I'll probably try and read quite a few of the novels as well because they appeal to my interests and it seems like they'll be quite vital pickups from where The Last Jedi left off. So I'm going to read those two, but I always get the best value for money from the art book and the visual dictionary because, yeah, they're just great. And I love the visual dictionary because of all the dumb labels on needless things. <laughs> the fact that you have like a label on Hux's hair or something and saying like hair that matches temperament or something. I might be making <laughs> that one up, but yeah. I remember his remorseless gaze. Yes, that is definitely real. I, I can 100% confirm. <laughs> oh my God. And his bitter tea that he drinks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I Perfect. love Hux. He's so funny. Okay, cool. And then we have the official movie special. Uh, so this is, looks like it's a magazine. Um, an in-depth collector's edition featuring material from long-awaited movie, including interviews with the cast and crew and exclusive imagery. And again, that's not out until the 20th of December, so presumably involves some spoilery things. Yeah, I have the one for The Last Jedi and it's very spoilery. Okay. Not like all the way spoilery, but quite spoilery. Uh-huh. Uh, cool. Then we have a very cute picture book. Oh yeah, I'm excited about this one. Called The Galaxy Needs You by Caitlin Kennedy and illustrated by Ida Caban. Um, have you ever stopped to think about how there is nobody else in the galaxy who is exactly like you? This empowering picture book celebrates young heroes in the making and features illustrations that follow Rey on her own hero's journey. That's out on the 17th of December. So presumably does involves some stuff from the rise of skywalker 2 but 
we'll also go back to the force awakens when we first meet ray and it'll be like a nice encapsulation of her journey for children yeah no it's so adorable i'm gonna get this for sure <laughs> yeah no it's really cute and i love that style it's gorgeous and yeah it just sounds like a wonderful focus for that book and yeah it's ray who doesn't love ray Right, and then the last thing that we want to look at is the official guide. Yeah, so this is kids' nonfiction um, reference book by Matt Jones from DK. A 96-page informative guide for younger fans revealing the characters, creatures, droids, locations, and technology. So it's, it kind of seems like a visual dictionary, but more geared towards children. Yes. I don't remember there being an equivalent of this for The Last Jedi or The Force Awakens, so I wonder if this is kind of a new thing. I have no idea, to be honest. I don't even own any of the visual dictionaries. Maybe I should get on that. Oh, you should. That's so much fun. <laughs> okay. 100% recommend. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to work out where to put all of my Star Wars books at the moment, to be honest, oh, as I okay. move things around the house. So I'm like, maybe I have enough. I think for me, I try to manage it by the only books I buy physically are the art book and the visual dictionary because they are both so visual. You know, it's Mm. all about having the pictures of things and turning the pages and stuff. Whereas the novels, I pretty much always get them on Kindle now. So then they don't take up any space. So that's my life hack. I don't buy things on Kindle. I use the Kindle for the library. Okay, nice. If I buy a book, I prefer to have it physically. I do like physical books. It's just practical reasons, basically, that I'm trying to train myself out of it. You're being sensible. Yeah. I don't always succeed, though. I still have a shit ton of books. So that's all of them. Yeah, um, that is all of them. Although I must say there are some key omissions because there's no mention of the novelizations here. And I'm sure we oh, all get true, novelizations. Yeah. yeah, not even a hint of who might be writing it. So uh, presumably that announcement is to come. Yeah. I bet it will be like what happened with The Last Jedi where the novels will come out a few months after the film. Probably. That's why they're not being announced now. True. I'd have to look up when Jason Fry was announced for The Last Jedi. So I know that we've had confirmation that Claudia Gray is not going to write the night novelization. I think she right. said that in an interview. I think it was with Mary Claire at What the Force, actually. Okay. Because yeah. um, I know that some people are still hoping that she will, but it's probably going to be someone else. Yeah. Um, but we wait with bated breath. Yeah, I think she's been very transparent about the fact she doesn't know how Nine is going to play out. And mm-hmm. I don't think she'd say that if she was writing the novelization because that would just be a no. flat out lie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, lots here to chew over. Beautiful cover art. Yeah. No, so I'm really excited for this range. Yeah, me too. It's a good combination. Um, I was kind of hoping for more Finn and more Rose, but hopefully we still get them as good presences in these books. It's just like in the in the descriptions, they're not too prominent, but yeah. We will see. Um, And yeah, I must say I find this range of books more appealing and interesting than the books we got before The Last Jedi. I can't even remember what those ones were. Exactly. It's kind of like, don't get me wrong, maybe these books won't be very memorable either. I will see. Well, it might also be because there wasn't a time jump. That's exactly what I was going to say. So I think they had a very, very narrow window to work in. Like, literally days, and that was always going to be very limiting for them. They've clearly got a much bigger playground this time, and I think that must be much more freeing for them from a creative standpoint. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, 
Right, and then one book that is not included in this lineup but has been heavily rumoured and so I wanted to talk about it is that someone found, I believe on Amazon, they were looking up the release date for Black Spire and I think it was the Twitter user This Karen Lark and instead of a description for Black Spire they found a description for what seems to be a Kylo Ren novel so I'll read the description and then we'll talk a bit more about the circumstances and stuff. So, confidential and unannounced, a standalone Star Wars title <laughs> delving into the character of one of the biggest names in the Star Wars universe, Kylo Ren. Just as an aside, wouldn't it be amazing if the actual title of the Kylo Ren novel were confidential and unannounced? <laughs> <laughs> I guess his identity would be confidential, so... Yeah, they could make it work for them. That'd be really funny. Um... And then, this is unconfirmed and still subject to change. Kylo Ren is a relatively new character in the Star Wars universe, first making his appearance in The Force Awakens and played by Adam Driver. With a complicated origin story, this book hopes to look deeper into Kylo Ren's past and reveal more of the mysteries behind the mask. Okay, so obviously this attracted lots of attention. Um, so it is quite exciting, if true. Um, but I believe it was like dismissed by someone from Del Rey. Is that correct, Kirsty? Uh, yeah, I think there was someone on the Jedi Council forums saying that they, they they didn't believe it was genuine because it looked like it was like a a false upload of a fake leak. Right. But I don't have the post to hand, so I can't tell you exactly what they said. Yeah, that was definitely the spirit of what they said, basically. Although it's all very mysterious because, um, yeah, like it was definitely posted on some sort of official database that is used to populate the various different websites that sell these novels. So it's not like it that didn't happen. It did. It's just the only explanation so far is that it was hacked. And it seems very bizarre to hack a database like that for this purpose. I don't know. It's all very, very strange, basically. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously this wouldn't be one of the books announced as part of the Journey to Nine. It would be something that came, would come after. Yes. At all. And, of course, we would expect to have more stories about Kylo Ren and Ben Solo before he fell after the Rise of Skywalker. So, makes sense. Yeah. Um, the description itself is not very interesting because the person who wrote this clearly doesn't actually know anything about the book. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, oh yeah, you know Kylo Ren from the new movies who's played by Adam Driver? There's going to be a book about him. <laughs> That's clearly the biggest revelation of this, that Kylo Ren is played by Adam Driver. It's like, wow, shocking information. Hmm. So, did you guys know that he has a complicated origin story <gasps> and wears a mask? What? <laughs> And that mysteries includes the letter Y and an apostrophe, <laughs> which it definitely doesn't. It's very offensive to me. Um, but yeah, if this novel were to exist, I would be excited. I would definitely want to read this. I mean, sure, but also we should be expecting this kind of stuff after the movie comes out. We should, but I always expect nothing, so I'm pleasantly surprised, basically. Oh, okay. Well, this is not confirmation by any means, so you could still be getting your hopes up. <laughs> I could be, yeah. So, <laughs> you're killing my dreams. Unconfirmed. Still subject to change. In capital letters. Yeah. No, you're right. I, I need to probably 
um, contain my expectations. One of the funniest things that happened with this is that I was reading my st- conversation about it when I was on my commute to work and I came across like a tweeted plot synopsis that was much more elaborate and it was talking about like how like little Ben Solo just wants to be like his dad but he's got lots of problems and is struggling with the force and stuff and I was like oh my god this is so amazing Kirsty then Kirsty just like laughed because it's like yeah that's fake <laughs> that is fake <laughs> that was Trixie having a laugh I know I'm so gullible it's really fast <laughs> <laughs> was it maybe because Slimo retweeted it and you yeah. trust Slimo? <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, I I took it for granted because it had the Slimo stamp authority on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's no, fine. My theory was that the book would be about that um, that game of spin the lightsaber that Ryan referred to in an interview one time when he was oh, talking nice. about how for the hut scene filming, um, Adam had asked him if Kylo had ever been kissed by a girl before. Right, yes, um, I remember just that. Just FYI, you know, interesting that they would be talking about that before filming that scene. But that aside, um, yeah, I feel like that's that's one of my favourite headcanons, that they've got these awkward teen Jedi Padawans. Uh, yeah, 100% would read. <laughs> yeah. Obviously I'd read anything that has like Kylo Ren attached to it. Um, but yeah, especially that. That would just be yeah. classic. It's good to get this in the absence of any, and of course, it's not. We would expect it, but in in terms of the journey to the rise of Skywalker book lineup, there's no Kylo Ren, of course. Yes. Um, apart from like the the kids, like sinister Kylo Ren, first order villains, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there isn't a story about Kylo because he's a walking spoiler. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I, I think Matt Martin has said, um. Oh, this was a part of that conversation he had when he confirmed that the character in the... What was it called? The Force book? Oh, uh, Force Collector. Yes, that teenage um, Force user is a new character, but also if people are waiting for Kylo stuff, they need to wait until after the movie. Yeah. So hopefully that sets everyone's expectations. It's nice to make that clear to people at this stage. Mm -hmm. I'm very curious in these books that are going to be coming out before the movie, how much insight there is into what the First Order is doing generally because obviously we know that Kylo himself is going to be top secret but it's also a question of how secret are the fo- are the First Order's machinations going to be because as Supreme Leader of the First Order like anything the First Order does is going to reflect on Kylo at this point so I imagine they're going to tread quite carefully with that as well so yeah it'll be interesting to see Maybe unless it's kind of explicitly stated that Kylo and Hux are at odds with each other because, of course, they are. Yeah. Um, and Hux is kind of running one side of it, and Kylo's running another somehow. Yeah, that'd be very interesting, like a dual management system. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure it's very effective, and everything works like clockwork. Yeah, I'm sure they're great collaborators. Mm-hmm. Bless. Um. Okay, great. I think that brings us to the end of the non-spoiler section, unless I'm missing something. <laughs> Um, I don't think there's been any other news this week, you know, yeah. um, mostly the, the May the 4th news. Mm-hmm. So with spoilers, yes. we probably want to warn people that stuff is... We're going to talk about this in terms of what we perceive to be an order where we start with relatively low-level stuff and then work our way up to stuff that could be quite pivotal yes. or stuff that might be too big for some people. Yeah. 
Um, we're not going to talk about some of the stuff that's really, really big, because even for me, I've read that stuff. But um, just as a general warning, if people really want to avoid spoilers, you might want to get off the internet now. Yes. Just go into a bunker, guys. Yeah, big stuff is starting to come out. Um, if it's trustworthy. So if it's true, then pretty big plot related things are already being spoiled and we're only in may so it's kind of more similar to what we got with the force awakens and the last jedi so please be careful yeah no that's a very sensible warning and it's so important to say that because a lot of the stuff that is getting out there is stuff that most people will absolutely not want to know and it might even diminish the experience for them like kirsty i have read it but just because i know i can't resist i don't have the self-control basically and i'm also at peace with that because for me personally it's about seeing how things play out rather than just knowing the bare facts of x happens so i'm cool with it but most people won't be so yeah please 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 tread carefully we're going to try and be very responsible in terms of how we talk about things and drawing limits on certain things but yeah i'm sure other people might not be so careful so yeah just take care Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people on social media talk about spoilers without tagging them. Yeah. Which is not great. So. Yeah, it is a bit of a minefield. Although hopefully if people stumble across those conversations, they won't really realise what people are getting out of the context. But yeah, it will depend. Um, Okay, cool. So with all that said, let's have the spoiler siren. I shouldn't. basically these spoilers these are summarizing stuff from across a few weeks because we weren't able to get spoilers in last week's show because we wanted to keep it listenable for everyone so we've got things carrying over from then um so yeah there's a lot to say basically um and yeah the first thing we want to talk about is that we had some clarifications from making stars on their podcast and there was a list of bullet points drawn up on the Stars Leaks subreddit by Sorry Not Spartacus. So thank you for making our lives easier. Basically, the summarising and the clarification covered a few key areas. The first one was Rain Kylo. So, Jason has a set of sources that say Rain and Kylo do their flash fighting against one another. But another set of sources suggests they are fighting someone in a dark robe. No, no one will say if it's Palpatine, assuming this second set is telling the truth. Jason ruminates on whether this person in dark robes is Matt Smith. He further speculates that because these two sets contradict, perhaps there are indeed two fights. One Rey versus Kylo, and one with Rey and Kylo versus a third party. I'd say it's looking more and more like that's the case, that there's more than one fight, and that the first is them as adversaries probably in the context that we see depicted on the cover of the art of book and then when they fight again it's against a mutual enemy would you say that's fair yeah i think this is what we kind of speculated on last week right yeah the the week before when we were talking about spoilers last time um because it sounds like when they meet again and they're doing the flash fighting that's when they discover they're able to do that yeah um, and then I think we were speculating that Kylo kind of offers a truce of some kind, maybe. It, it, I think Jason said something like Kylo does something to change the situation or makes a choice or something like that. Yes. I can't remember the exact phrasing. But it sounds like it could be like a way to end that fight. But then 
the purpose of them realizing they're able to do this flash fighting and kind of go through those different scenes of the saga and settings is that it will later be used against a common enemy who is presumably palpatine but we don't know and yeah i'd say it's looking more and more like matt smith is definitely appearing in this film which makes his outright denial even funnier yeah but again if it's something that's quite spoilery it makes sense they could have given him a story where it's like, yes, I'm in the movie, but I'm only playing like a minor background character in the First Order or something like that. Yeah, exactly. They could have said he's like a Hux. They've gone the mystery route, um, but Jason seems pretty confident that Matt Smith is in it. Yes. Um, we just don't know exactly how. There are other rumours and spoilers out there, again, from making Star Wars that present more of a solid idea. That's the stuff that we're not touching because... We've read it, but we don't really want to discuss it on the show because it kind of is giving everything away. Yes. At least in very broad strokes. There's not emotional context, but you can kind of put two and two together. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. yeah, just to warn people. That stuff's out there and not just as a warning, but if you want to go and read it, it is available. Yeah. So. We're not touching that one, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> we just want to be careful because yeah. at a certain point it's like, yeah, it's almost too much, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it kind of crosses the line. <laughs> I felt like that for Force Awakens when the whole plot leaked. It's like, oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that I didn't have any of that stuff going in. Like, I figured that Han Solo would die. But... Yes. Yeah, it's about context. Um, mm-hmm. Right, then there's various bits on the Knights of Ren. Could you read out the highlighted points, Kirsty? Yep. They do have action scenes, definitely in Jordan, for sure. Though honestly, Jason hasn't really gotten any sense of what they do beyond that. He keeps hearing about scenes and being told the Knights of Ren are also there, but not much else. Um, Later on in this article, um, early on he had heard that the Knights of Ren had special powers. Some of them have force powers, but not all of them. However, at this stage, he really doesn't know if those powers will be in the movie or just explored in books. What he does find strange is that they did research into the weapons, and I remember hearing about this actually, Um, going to various museums and looking at medieval weapons, but it doesn't really seem like the extrapolations were that large from The Force Awakens, Um, which seems to imply that they'll look pretty similar from how they did in that flashback, Mm -hmm. or at least not too different so that the general audience could detect a huge difference. Yes. Oh, here we go. Side note, this would seem to confirm a leak on here a few months back that said the Star Wars crew visited a museum to research weapons for a group of characters, as well as for a new villain. Mm. Which is very interesting. Um, It does lend further credence to the Matt Smith thing. Yeah, and at the end, um, again, emphasising that Jason does not think that they're only on Jordan. So they are on Jordan, but they're also elsewhere. Which is really interesting. Everyone's on Jordan. It's the place to be. Yeah, exactly. I do wonder if... um they're going to be involved with like a Kylo and Rey confrontation or if it will just be those two characters like will the Knights of Ren just be like on the sidelines with their popcorn watching will they be off like hunting like Finn and Poe like who knows they could be doing any number of things but mm-hmm. yeah it's just stuff to think about yeah they're like a motorcycle gang so you see Kylo flying towards her in the tie but they've cut it so that you don't see the rest of the gang coming up from behind <laughs> I love that for and just making those like really obnoxious roving noises. Yeah, that's really annoying. Every time I see like a group of people on a on bikes, it always kind of reminds me of the Knights of Ren. 
I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's incredible. Yeah, biker gang, that's the best way to think about them. I do love the early concept art from The Force Awakens. Where Me too. That was very much the idea that it's like, oh, you're hanging with the bad kids now, Ben. And yeah, it was getting all like corrupt and stuff through the influence of out drugs and rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, because Ben Solo is so cool, so edgy. <laughs> He's not sitting there crying in his room. (laughs) Yeah. No, he's a rock god Mm -hmm. inside, deep within his soul. Um, Okay, cool. Then we have a bit about the Oracle, which feeds onto an old rumour we had on Reddit from Jedi Paxis, which is still my favourite. Could you read this out, Kirsty? Jason thinks he might have some stuff which would corroborate the Oracle stuff, but he wasn't given the name Oracle. He isn't sure whether that's a code name or the real name, whereas Jason was given a code name. He does mention that sometimes code names reveal information as to the role of the character, so perhaps that solves it. Jason doesn't go into it from there, though. Okay. So it seems very vague, like he's heard something that might back up that Reddit rumour. Yes. He's not too sure about it. Yeah, exactly. I'll take any corroboration I can get, though. I wonder if like there's part confusion between that clawed alien character mm. and what people were describing as the Oracle. Yeah, perhaps. Like all of these large aliens that they encounter. Yeah, maybe just in the prop room they happened to store the spider on top of the elf baby and then someone looked at it and thought it was meant to be one thing. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I choose to believe. Yeah, it's so funny, isn't it, to think about how things come out afterwards and it's like oh it's actually different but you can see how someone would get to that impression yeah like when people thought in the force awakens ray died at the end because <laughs> daisy was on the ground while finn and kylo were fighting yeah exactly which seems <laughs> ludicrous in retrospect but people did actually think that and mm-hmm. as you say Kirsty, without the context it's understandable if you look and you see her just lying still on the ground but like, oh she's dead <laughs> like or unconscious but dead i guess <laughs> So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting and it's a good lesson and being careful about the conclusions that people draw from stuff. Right. Okay. So then there's a very long article from Jason at Making Stars that is all about the Knights of Ren. And it goes into a very elaborate depth about what they're wearing and what their weapons are. And it's interesting and it's definitely worth reading. Um, but for the most part we're really only going to focus on the very first sentence because it's a little bit more plot relevant so yeah could you read that paragraph out a lot of what i've heard about the knights of ren in the rise of skywalker pertain to the jordan shoot it seems the majority of their action takes place at that location the good news is the action sounds significant not only have i heard that lando calrissian had sequences filmed for the jordan set at pinewood but the knights of ren did as well at pinewood and jordan That sounds over-the-top rad to me. (laughs) I don't, however, know if Lando encounters the Knights himself, but any movie where I'm seeing Lando and the Knights of Ren within moments of one another is probably going to be exciting. So, sounds like Lando is on the Jordan planet, whatever that ends up being. Everyone is in Jordan. Yeah. Or in Pinewood, but in Jordan, virtually. Yeah. No, it definitely seems like that is where everyone comes together and things coalesce. And... Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be like a real pivotal turning point in the film. Um, yeah, because at that point, obviously the only shot of Lando we've seen so far is that he's flying the Falcon. Does he take the Falcon when they leave Jordan? Mm, interesting. 
Are Finn and Poe also on the Falcon and they're just not in that shot? Or do they all go their separate ways? Like, Yeah. Hmm. Maybe he's either on his way there to pick people up or has just picked people up. Hmm. Something like that could be cool. Because I'm not sure how much physical stuff Billy D will be doing in terms of like running around and doing action and stuff. I know he's been working out in the gym and he's looking really good lately. But I'm not sure how much he's capable of in terms of the more active part. So even if he is involved in Jordan, I wouldn't expect to see like Lando caught up in like a big action scene. So I could see him being like the cavalry, basically. I mean, was Lando even in action scenes in the original trilogy? Not in a huge way. Like he was yeah. sort of like involved and caught up in things, like when they're escaping Cloud City. Sure, but he's mostly just swishing his cape around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and running away from people. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's never been a huge part of moments like that. So I'd expect something similar. Hmm. Okay. But yeah. It's a little more context there. Exactly. So it's interesting stuff. Um okay. But there's a lot of other stuff to this article about the Knights of Ren and what they look like and um yeah, I would recommend going and reading the actual article if you wanted to know more about that. Yes. Because it's interesting, but it's just too much for us to go into right now. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we have yet another article about the Knights of Ren and Kylo. Um, and this one gets very strange. Um, so I'll try my best to make sense of it. And I might pause occasionally to allow comment. Uh, so yeah. This one refers to the sequence where Kylo's helmet is being repaired, which you glimpse very briefly in the trailer. So, the sequence takes place at a creepy castle type of set. I've heard creepy castle and Sith temple, but as always, it can be hard to discern if Sith is being used synonymously with evil when it pertains to Star Wars. Kylo Ren and his Knights of Ren are at the dark location together. The castle or creepy domain is owned by this ape man who agrees to help Kylo Ren fix his mask and to activate a device that will take him and his knights and his knights towards their goals. First they must reforge the mask and then they'll be ready to continue on their quest. There was ash involved outside which means it could be Mustafar. However sources are mixed on this and when Rey and Kylo flash fight later on there's ash there too which confuses if these are connected or not. The Knights of Ren are nervous like expectant fathers. People I trust on the crew at Pinewood saw a trailer Abrams cut that was pretty long and showed off their work. People who worked on the film said the Knights of Ren actually stalk around the work being done, excited and eager for it to be finished. They sound like a rowdy and evil bunch of degenerates. I think there is more to the mask than we know because the Knights see this act as extremely important. I mean, they all have masks, and it's not cool if Kylo doesn't too, right? He's totally ruining the look of the gang. A Sith wannabe, six, six knights, and a monkey walk into a creepy castle. The confusing part is people have seen shots of Kylo fixing the mask himself. The Knights of Ren aiding in the repair, and the ape with the hands we saw in the trailer. A part of me wonders if the ape fixes it, and they do a ritual around it that makes it seem like they're fixing it, if you don't see the entire sequence. Do they all work on the mask to bring their specialisations to it? Or did they film it a few different ways before making a choice about how it went down? Will this make the cut? I heard the script was about 260 pages last summer and things shifted quite a bit on this film as the story was fleshed out. 
With that in mind, unless this is a very long Star Wars film, I imagine lots of tiny details will be chopped from the movie. If it wasn't for part of this propelling the story forward, I would think this sequence could be explained away in a line about his mask being fixed. When we saw the mask being reforged in the trailer, I did start to worry that it was one of the moments that toss us now to answer how the mask was fixed and then cut it out and so we'd see the movie and not question the mask too much. But to be clear, that's just conjecture on my part. Whew. Okay, so that all sounds insane. <laughs> yeah, I. it'd be odd almost to have this castle location and for it not to be Vader's castle. Yeah. It sounds pretty similar, but I guess we're not we don't have too much context here. Yeah. Um Yeah, Star Wars spoilers always sound so strange. They do. I kind of like this one though. The strangeness sounds so bizarre and eccentric that it appeals to me. Oh, I don't dislike it. It's yeah, just yeah. it's hard to know what to make of it because it's like the Knights of Ren seem excited, but like how's Kylo feeling in that moment? Are we supposed to be aware is he physically there yeah or are they fixing it on his behalf yeah um it says that apparently there's a moment when he seems to fix it himself but honestly i have to see that to to work out what it actually means so yeah no it was all very very weird and it does sound like the sort of thing that's probably background that could probably end up being cut without like losing anything hugely significant from the plot but I guess we'll see because there's clearly lots of pieces of the puzzle that either Jason doesn't have or he's not letting people know about right now. So, yeah, this all seems very like arbitrary and random, but I'm sure there is a kind of sense to it and that there's a logic to why they're doing this and the importance of the mask and why it needs to be repaired and so on and so forth. Because, mm. yeah, it doesn't seem like it's just an image thing. It seems like there must be something deeper and more powerful going on with the mask itself. I think there has to be some truth to this because in the trailer when you see that shot of the mask being fixed it kind of looks like there's a knight of run in the background yeah it's hard it's hard to make out yeah and this does also make me think of that false collector book um what i wonder if they're going to be like really playing up the idea of there being these hugely significant like objects so we obviously had that going all the way back to the force awakens that Kyla was originally meant to be much more of a collector in terms of going around and picking up force act artifacts, like much like that character in the novel. So, yeah, it would make sense to like bring that element back at this point and be like, oh yeah, these objects are important and this is why. I think I'm just interested to see how they present that in the context of Kylo's mask, which he destroyed himself. Yes. So we've talked a lot about the symbolism of him repairing it and why he's not quite ready to let that part of his kind of artificial identity go. Yes. But in terms of fixing it with other people and this creature and it being part of this ritual and somehow having a greater meaning outside of him, yeah, I can't quite piece that together. So mm. I feel like this, there's got to be something quite big missing here. Yeah. It's probably a metaphor for peer pressure. <laughs> Well, it's just, it is a little strange, isn't it? Because I've, you know, worked my way around. It's like, okay, Kylo's going to have his mask back um, and he's repairing it himself. But uh, I didn't think that that would actually be covered as part of the story. Yeah. I just thought it would be one of those Star Wars things where he just has it back. Yeah. No, but it seems like they're making it significant. 
Like, which I kind of like, because I feel like it was so significant that it was destroyed. So I feel like they're going to have to make a case to me about why it needs to be repaired now. Hmm. So then we have another article, and this one is about Finn and Rose. Would you like to read this one out, Kirsty? Yes, this one is truly shocking, so brace yourself. <laughs> Making Star Wars have heard that Rose, you know the girl who kissed Finn in the last movie? <laughs> she is going to be Finn's love interest what? in The Rise of Skywalker. What? I know. Did not see this coming. Sources have told me that in The Rise of Skywalker, Rose is in fact Finn's love interest. It isn't clear if they're an item or working on making it work against the backdrop of intergalactic warfare, but I was told Finn has something to fight for. So I suppose that sort of rounds out the end of The Last Jedi, where Finn finally stops running and gives his character purpose now that running is off the table as it was in Star Wars The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Sources have also said that Kelly Marie Tran participated in the Vanity Fair shoot in Jordan as well. This has complicated the understanding if Tran acted in Jordan or, or just participated in the photo shoot as a cast member. The earliest word on Rose in The Rise of Skywalker was she was involved with the command a bit more with General Leia and Lieutenant Connix. J.J. Abrams did say during the panel at Celebration Chicago we would see why Rose isn't with the group all the time. So yeah. Yeah. I don't remember J.J. saying that actually. Do you? I don't either. Okay. Colbert asked John where things were going with him and Rose. Yeah. I think that was kind of like the first of the, the shippy questions that was asked. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was obviously notable that they're you know, pushing the fact that Ray, Finn and Poe are on this mission. And it's like, well, why isn't Rose there? Um, presumably there'll be a reason why she's not. Yeah. So I know there's a fan theory that it's because she's pregnant. I've seen that. What do you think yeah. about that? I'm like... I actually, I quite like the idea. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I almost feel like that's a bit too much to throw at people at this point. Like, although it would appeal to the whole, like, soap opera aspect of Star Wars. So it would make sense yeah. in that context. Yeah, I think it would almost be, like, a nice uh, counterweight to Padme being pregnant in the original, um, the prequels. Yeah. Um, Presumably this would be much happier ending between them as a <laughs> romantic like couple. Think so, would you? <laughs> so um maybe it'd be part of that reversal aspect. We'll we'll see if it turns out to just be kind of a, like a fun headcanon for shippers. No, like it would make sense. Like and you kind of get a sense that Jason is alluding to something a bit more than just Finn having Rose to fight for when he says mm. that Finn has something to fight for. So right. yeah, time will tell. I mean it would be a bit strange. I'm I, I guess the the explanation that she's there at command is like, yeah, okay, that's satisfactory. But to add to that even more and be like, well, this is why she can't physically be out doing dangerous missions, I think that would make a little more sense. Yeah, no, that would be a very appropriate justification because, yeah, you, you don't want Rose out firing blasters at the First Order. If, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Probably not. But also, it could just as easily not happen and it's just kind of a fun fan theory in the meantime. What I'm excited about is that he said that Kelly was in Jordan for the Vanity Fair shoot. Yes, exactly. I'm really excited to see a better look at her as well. Because we obviously have mm -hmm. that one steal of her and Ray that we got a celebration. But it would be yeah. great to get a lovely clear shot of her in costume and stuff. So I really like her new look. She looks fabulous. Yeah, exactly. It's exciting. She does. Yeah, so before we move on to discuss the next thing... We want to give people another opportunity to back out 
because we're kind of moving into the next phase of the spoiler section in terms of things get hardcore now. So we're about to talk about things that are more serious and plotty and potentially have really big implications. So really, unless you're 100% sure that you want to know some really quite pivotal stuff or potentially pivotal stuff, depending on whether it plays out, like I would suggest stopping now because yeah you might regret it and you might end up hearing stuff you really don't want to know so yeah bye bye if you decide you don't want to listen um (laughs) yeah so yeah Kirsty, would you like to explain this this particular rumor and what was said sure so there's various stages to it where jason was clearly trying to work through some information that he'd received Mm -hmm. um so it starts out with um Again, sorry, not Spartacus reporting on what he said in the podcast. Um, it says there's some shit going on with resurrection and maybe sacrifice. I'm not ready to commit to anything in an article yet. Um, so, yeah, themes that we would have expected towards the end of a trilogy in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So nothing too outlandish there in terms of what we've been speculating on. But then it, it evolved um, to Jason saying... And this should be a direct quote from the podcast, I think. Yes. Um, I've heard a couple of things. Interesting things. I think right now, I think Kylo kind of dies. But there's a twist to that, and I don't think it's forever. I think Rey does something, and it takes Kylo out, but I don't know if it's bad for Kylo or good. If it's part of his plan or not. And then someone, presumably Randy, says, that's something we always go back and forth on. Yeah, what Kylo's plan is. They then go on to talk about something Jason has said before, which is, it is his firm opinion that when Han and Kylo are on the bridge, Han knows Kylo will kill him, or at least understands. I believe this is tied into Jason speculating in previous podcasts that Kylo's ultimate plan for turning will be revealed. Mm. Yeah, so there's some big stuff here. Again, like, if it's true, depending on how it plays out. But, yeah, it all sounds really interesting compelling and good to me to be honest that i'm prepared for kylo dying basically if that is what happens and if it's permanent then i I can accept that you know it's not like that's without precedent because obviously that's what happened with vader i really want him to live though so if they do bring in the whole resurrection element and bring him back after he makes the ultimate sacrifice then i would be 100 percent there for that and it would make me really happy but ultimately it's always going to be about the execution because even though I'm less psyched about the prospect of my favourite character dying I-, I could still accept it under the right circumstances mm. I've been kind of expecting death and resurrection as a trope so yes, it's not too surprising for me again, like you say most of it's in the execution um, we've heard further things on this but we're not going to go into because that is kind of too much. But basically Jason gave even more information later on as to how he thinks that whole thing goes down. Yes. Um, so it's out there if you want it again. But um, we're not touching yeah. it. <laughs> we're not. Not at this stage at least. Um, yeah. Unless anything else comes out. But um, yeah. I mean, I think we've speculated quite a few times that in terms of like how Kylo would, might redeem himself, yeah, um, that it would take some level of sacrifice. 
and maybe somehow Ray and Kylo's connection would play into whether he would come back or not. Yeah. Because that's... I'm not talking about this very eloquently, I guess, but a huge part of that is what it means for Ray's journey. Mm. So at that point, um, presumably she's feeling very differently about him as to how she feels at the start of the movie. And I feel like it only feels thematically appropriate in a way to bring him back because well, there's lots of layers to what's going on. So this is sort of like the sequel trilogy almost needs to justify its existence by having a different endpoint to the original trilogy, basically. So the endpoint of that original trilogy is Darth Vader making the ultimate sacrifice in terms of he makes a move that he knows will kill him to save the person he loves, his son. And mm. that's a beautiful and profound moment. But if that is what happens at the end of the sequel trilogy, if Kylo like dies to protect the person or people he loves, then what new is that bringing to it? And it's also a question of that would then make it about what Kylo does rather than what Rey does. So I feel like to really bring it home that the sequel trilogy is about bringing something extra and like resolving things in a positive way rather than in a tragic way then it does need to end on that note of life and there being a future and I also think about the sort of things that Kathleen Kennedy was saying at Celebration about this being an ultimately very hopeful story and again I come to it from a place of bias because I'm invested in Kylo's redemption and I want to see him go on to lead a life but when she says it's a hopeful story, I don't see it as being especially hopeful of Kylo dies, especially mm. in like a particularly like tragic way with all the unfulfilled potential. Yeah, and on the subject of comparing it with Vader's death, I do feel like that's very different because again, in fairy tales, age dynamics are very critical mm. to yeah. understanding how relationships go. So Luke accepting and loving Vader and then him dying makes sense thematically because that's Luke ascending to the father figure role yeah. at the end of his hero's journey and then we, obviously we see the culmination of that in The Last Jedi but that's not what's going on between Rey and Kylo so him as the shadow and animus figure she has to accept and love and then there's balance with them together yes. it's very key, it's not about him disappearing or, I mean <laughs> I can't, I don't know of any stories where the heroine loves and accepts the shadow figure and then he goes away. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not what it's about. It's about acceptance and then them building a life together. Exactly. So it would be a very random, strange ending. I mean, not to say they couldn't, but in terms of just, like, fairy tale formula that I'm familiar with. Yes. Um, that is what I've been kind of basing my speculation on. Mm -hmm. But I'm prepared to be wrong. Yeah, exactly. It could go any number of ways, but yeah, based on our read of the story and what would feel natural and make sense, then yeah, it makes sense for him to live and for him and Ray to have a future. Mm -hmm. So yeah, resurrection for the win, please. <laughs> I think a few weeks ago we were saying like we want Kylo to kind of come within an inch of losing his life. Oh yeah. You want the audience to feel those stakes. Mm. Um, and it will be crystal clear, hopefully, 
maybe not to everyone by the end of this episode that kylo is the last skywalker he's the skywalker of this movie yes and it should be clear at that point how ray feels about him yeah um so there's going to be on whatever level however it is there has to be some explicit confirmation from them in terms of how they feel about each other yes and presumably it will be different from the time she closed the door on him you'd like to think so (laughs) yeah you know character development and all yeah and i think like the death part is also very important to get people to buy into a return from that character because like regardless of what we may think like people really really need to see him punished in a very very severe and real and tangible way and i think what's clear if, if that happens i think what will become clear in case it's not obvious to everyone right now, and again, I feel like it already should be, but it's not, um, is that that would be punishing Ray too. Yeah. So you'll see her suffering as a result of that action, and hopefully people will then root for it to be changed so that Ray can be happy and whole. Yeah, exactly. It's not a happy ending if he dies, and mainly because of what that death would mean for Ray, I think. Like regardless of where those two characters start the stories, it does sound like it's going to start between them in an antagonistic way, at least from Ray towards Kylo. I think at the end, they have to establish that there's a strong emotional connection and bond there. And again, we do have that emotional connection and bond in The Last Jedi. Obviously, due to Kylo being Kylo, he completely messes that up, so it needs to be rebuilt. And that connection and affinity between them needs to be regained. And yeah, I think we're going to see that happen over the course of Rise of Skywalker. And then the payoff for that is going to be seeing that intensely emotional moment between them. Yeah, and I expect it to be stronger than ever. So JJ is going to want to outdo Ryan. (laughs) And not in terms of his personal ego, but that's how a third act should work. It should build on what came before. Of course, yeah. It only makes sense. all, All sounds good to us. Yes. Our favorite character dying. Sounds good to us, believe it or not. (laughs) As long as he comes back. (laughs) Okay, cool. So then we get to the final one. And this one is much less like, oh, maybe and perhaps and stuff. This one seems quite concrete, basically, in terms of Mm. Jason seems pretty confident in it. And it might be the biggest one of all and the most easy to spoil. So, yeah, would you like to read this one out, Kirsty? Yes. So Jason says that Han Solo is going to be in The Rise of Skywalker. Um, So he says in his article, Happy Easter, and in a way kind of fitting. The last 24 hours have been pretty exciting and crazy. I was at a reading late last night in Los Angeles, and a chance encounter allowed me to see evidence that Harrison Ford filmed a sequence for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Harrison Ford appears to be in the movie in a newly filmed moment with Adam Driver. I immediately began digging deeper, and I was able to pull out dis- disparate facts about the sequence in which Harrison Ford returns as Han Solo. Sequence fragments. The facts from several making StarWars.net sources who have admitted Harrison Ford as in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. The main sequence takes place between Adam Driver and Harrison Ford. One source called it a surprise intervention of sorts. A source that did not work on or see the sequence believed it takes place when Kylo Ren asks the burned Darth Vader helmet to show him the darkness again. Luke Skywalker appears to be in the twist in this encounter. The source was paraphrasing, but Han Solo tells Ben it isn't too late 
and the sequence has a tone of forgiveness and understanding to it. He's not a force ghost in the classic sense, and he's part of a vision or dream type moment induced by Luke Skywalker. Yeah, so the article goes on a bit longer with Jason's read on what may or may not be happening. Um, So yeah, I'd recommend going to check out Jason's article if you're interested in a bit more context. But yeah, as far as I'm concerned, this all sounds really cool. (laughs) And I'm really happy that Harrison is back. I loved that one scene with Harrison and Adam in The Force Awakens. I thought they played off each other so beautifully and it was a really powerful, emotional scene between them. And yeah, I think this has the potential to be equally powerful. But I also love the like slightly like impish stuff that's clearly going on with Luke. So it really does seem like he's kind of trolling basically by doing this. But what do you read on it? Oh, do you think so? Oh, I know I don't. I think this is Luke giving Kylo a chance for, to redeem himself. Yeah, like trolling is the wrong word. Trolling is the wrong word. It's like in a very positive way. It's not like Luke mocking Kylo or anything like that. But just in terms of Luke is taking what Kylo thinks will happen in terms of talking to the Vader mask and presumably Kylo is expecting a dark vision or a message from his grandfather and Luke is twisting that so he actually gets this good messenger who comes with this message of like love and reconciliation. Right. So this reminds me of um, when they showed the shareholders that footage mm-hmm. and Kylo was looking down at the helmet in this brightly lit white room presumably asking it for guidance again and i think if it's in a brightly very white room that would lend itself to like the vision dream feel Mm. of it not being quite like a physical solid place yeah um and yeah i really like the idea of luke kind of intervening and and kind of sending han to him um i'd i'd been kind of speculating that when Kylo then talks to the helmet it would be Anakin who appears instead of what he perceives to be you know Dark Lord Darth Vader right it would be Anakin telling him what he thinks <laughs> about sure. everything that he's doing and like please learn from my mistakes um but I like this too if this is true um it brings it full circle obviously from The Force Awakens and it also kind of deals with that lack of parental connection that Kylo is going to have now because we can't have carry in the movie in the same way yes um and it almost makes more sense coming from harrison because han is the the parent that kylo killed yeah and if if he comes to him and explicitly says he still loves and forgives him that hopefully is good enough for the audience that's a really key point i think because i know for a lot of people who are highly invested in the original trilogy for them the hardest thing to accept about Kylo is that he killed his father because Han Solo is obviously such a beloved character and I think a scene like this as long as it's really well executed and as well done as I'm sure it would be given who's involved I think that could sway people I think that could really bring it home for people like oh wow yeah actually Han Solo would actually really want his child to be redeemed he would not want his child to like die a miserable death um yeah, and I think it will be so, so key to bring in the audience on board with that idea of Ben Solo's redemption. Because if he does die and is then resurrected, they're going to want people in the audience to be crying along with Ray. So they really need people to care deeply about him and be invested in his coming back. And yeah, this sounds like the perfect way of doing it. 
Yeah, again, it's something that I thought was kind of implicitly there in Harrison's acting for that scene in The Force Awakens when he like touches his face um, and it's backed up kind of how and it's it's described in the novelizations in terms of how Anne forgave and loved him and hoped that Kylo would one day forgive him in turn. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Sometimes with Star Wars, you have to spoon feed it out. Yeah, exactly. Like I think for a lot of people, Force Awakens is like a distant memory. And people remember the fact that Kylo Ren killed Han Solo, but they probably don't have a clear memory of the specific body language and what was said between them and stuff. Oh yeah, the amount of times I see it described as killing his father in cold blood. It's like, do you know what that means? Yeah. (laughs) It's like the exact opposite of how that scene goes down. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I think they really need to bring that home for people and that's evidently what they're going to do. And yeah, I'm excited to see Harrison in a Star Wars movie again. He had such a ball on The Force Awakens, so I think it's going to be wonderful to see what he brings to this new one. Yeah, I guess that's the only thing that surprised me about this, the fact that they would manage to get Harrison back. Yeah. Um, but again, like at first I was like, oh, this must have been built into his contract for The Force Awakens, because obviously it was very clear that he wanted to die in that movie. But on second thought, I was like, oh, actually, this probably changed once they realised that they could no longer do things with Leia in the same way. Exactly. Um, Or they were considering something with Aiden, or... I mean, who knows? Yeah. I might not be recalling it correctly, but I have this memory of Harrison saying that he was happy to come back as long as it really served the story and served the characters. Yeah, he does say that. I think this is the epitome of that, basically. There's no greater service to the character of Kylo Ren than coming back to film this scene with Adam Driver, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Oh. So if it's true, I'm very happy about it. Same. And I'm also, I mean, I know it's been leaked in terms of like Jason talking about it, but if this is true and they manage to film this stuff and everything, um, I'll be interested to see if it's like picked up by wider press. Mm. Um because that's huge. That's like on a level with Palpatine, if not even bigger. So It is going to be like a massive story when slash if it comes out. Um, I think it's the sort of thing they'd save till after the film, if at all possible. Well, obviously it's evidently already known in certain circles. But in terms of when they give it like mainstream coverage. Oh, sure. You mean like from official sources? Yeah. Yeah, I don't expect them to spill the beans at all. But I'm surprised that after this has been written about by Jason, who has, like, you know, a track record of getting some things right, not everything, yeah, but especially things, I mean, The Force Awakens and this bad robot, I think it's kind of clear that that's kind of where a lot of the leaks are coming from. Whereas The Last Jedi was pretty, pretty secure. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised that this hasn't been picked up elsewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I have seen some like more mainstream sources like Collider talk about it, but unfortunately quite an irresponsible way where they Yeah, report... they presented it as a rumour. Yeah, exactly. And probably inadvertently spoil a huge surprise of the movie for a large portion of their rel- relatively speaking innocent what viewership, <laughs> which I think is a shame because yeah like it will probably work more effectively for many people if it is just a shock and a surprise but hopefully Mm. people just forget about it or think that was an unfounded rumor and it just so happened to be true yeah and again this is like a it's huge in terms of like it's big 
that Harrison would agree to come back. But in terms of like what it would do for Kylo's redemption arc, it's kind of in a similar vein to what a lot of us have been speculating about, that there would have to be some kind of familial connection there, whether it was his father, whether it was Leia or Anakin, like something to kind of bring it home and give Kylo that real reckoning. Mm. So it fits with that for me. And yeah, again, I'm very happy about it. Same. I'm really honestly so thrilled with everything that's come out about this movie so far I feel like it seems really exciting and really like fresh and original and interesting and I I just can't wait for it honestly I'm starting to think it might even like turn out to be like one of the best films in the trilogy oh like uh, I I know that's like bold words for a film we literally (laughs) have only seen like a tiny trailer from but I think I say that because like it depends on the day of the week when you ask me but sometimes Return of the Jedi is my favourite original trilogy film and Revenge of the Sith is definitely my favourite prequel film so based on historical precedent there's a decent chance of Rise of Skywalker turning out to be my favourite of the sequel trilogy but we will see yeah I think it depends yeah like you say on your mood at the time and of course it's all part of the same story but whereas The Last Jedi will leave people on this like uncertain note the last well the rise of skywalker as everyone has been saying is meant to be satisfying Mm. so so that's the way third acts work so it's like yeah it's gonna you're gonna watch this movie and feel good yeah exactly even if it is a roller coaster as it goes along presumably by the end there's this hopeful resolution as kathleen kennedy said so yeah, I can totally see why this will end up being some people's favourite. Obviously, it's way too early for us to tell. We've barely seen any footage. But in terms of, like, yeah, how things sound, it's certainly promising. Exactly. But, again, it's all in the execution. Yep. So, yep, be psyched, but with moderation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't tell you what to do. Be psyched as much as you like. <laughs> like, no, that's... A- what I am doing to be honest that's why I said it it's like I, I am very excited but I'm also trying not to get ahead of myself because of what we both know which is you can't judge a movie till you've seen it so yeah yeah I mean I think we were both very excited in the lead up to The Last Jedi and that paid off I don't feel I didn't feel disappointed by anything in that movie oh yeah so. no, that was quite an elated feeling it's pretty, yeah pretty so damn great. why not just go for it and enjoy it in the meantime agreed Okay, cool. I think that is finally everything. So, yeah, should we round off the show with the usual goodbyes? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So, I'm Rachel. You can find me at Stars Nonsense on Tumblr and at Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, bye! Bye! Bye!